Hey, do you teach yoga? Have you ever trained to lead yoga classes to be a yoga therapist? Have you ever owned a yoga studio? Maybe even just wondered what it was like for the women and men up there in front of the room on their mats, leading you through endless Surya Namaskars, down dogs, and pranayamas galore? Well, these are their stories and mine. I'm Rebecca Sebastian, a 20-year yoga teacher, 10-year yoga therapist, yoga studio owner, and co-founder of a yoga-focused nonprofit. I've done a lot in the yoga world over the last 20 years, pretty much everything except had a water cooler. You know, a place to share stories, talk about struggles, successes, and find other people who do the same thing that I do. Welcome to Working in Yoga, a podcast and substitute water cooler for yoga folks to connect and build community, to share our unique profession, our challenges, and our journeys with the world. Hey friends, welcome to Working in Yoga. If you're new to this space, I'm Rebecca Sebastian, and I'm going to invite you to sit down with your favorite cup of tea and tuck in with us for this episode. I think yoga teachers are often lonely, and we hesitate to share our experiences and validate each other as we strive to break even and pay our bills. So today's guest, Haley Nischel, is working on breaking this mold. She shares real stories of her journeys and her challenges, as well as how she wants to change the mold for us as yoga instructors. Before we get started heading into this conversation, I want to invite you to take a moment and do me a favor. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, please do so. And if you're called to, I would really love it if you would go ahead and give me a five-star review and maybe one or two quick lines to write a review for me. That makes such a difference so that other yoga professionals can hear this content and connect here so that we all don't feel quite so isolated. Thanks for very much for that if you do that. And now, without any further ado, here is my chat with Haley Nischel. Welcome, friends, to Working in Yoga. I am so excited this week to have my friend Haley Nischel on the podcast. And Haley is going to come to us from Des Moines, Iowa. So I love interviewing other people from Iowa <laughs> because it makes me excited <laughs> that there's like yoga and meditation and cool stuff happening here in Iowa. So, Haley, will you tell everybody who you are and what you do? Yeah, thanks, Rebecca. Thanks for having me. Um, my name is Haley Nischel. I'm a 500-hour RYT. I'm a spiritual coach, and I am a Vedic astrologer. Um, my sort of like driving impulse is to explore consciousness in different ways and to like help people change their life just by increasing self-awareness. That's kind of my shtick. Cool. Okay, so how did you get into yoga, meditation, breath work. I love everybody's superhero origin story because I think it like it is relatable because we all have similar elements to it, but also really unique. So tell us about how that happened. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I found, um, I came to yoga in 2014. Um, I had had a couple like random private sessions years prior, um, but I was full of anxiety. I was just a, an incredibly neurotic person. Um, very heady, very personalize everything, internalize everything. And it was like January, 2014, there was an intro to beginners six week course, you know, weekly. 
Um, so I, you know, showed up every week and I started to learn the basics of alignment, of a sun salutation, of proper downward facing dog. And I loved it. It, it, but it wasn't enough for me. I was like, I want more, you know, like this is my all consuming personality more, more, more. <laughs> um, so then I found, uh, hot yoga, um, and that created a, a deeper experience because of the heat and the music and the community. Cause the rooms were packed. And so I, you know, threw myself into that, loved it because I loved the way I feel like I felt when I left. Um, but after about six months of that, I was right back. Like, well, there's gotta be more. There's, there's more than this because it was, a, it was just hot yoga. There was no meditation. There was no, I wasn't exposed to anything else. Um, I found a, a teacher that I worked with privately for a few years in, um, a my store Ashtonga type of, um, setting where it was guided self-practice. And that started to take me to more meditative places because in that sort of environment, you're doing the same sequence all the time. So the muscle memory starts to remove some of the thinking from the practice. And yeah, so I experienced an injury in that and um, that I left yoga because I was questioning like um, the teaching style of that teacher. I was questioning if I was supposed to be doing this. I was having some personal life issues, some shit hitting the proverbial fan kind of <laughs> yeah um so in 2018 it kind of came to a head and i left a relationship i was unhappy with my job and i haven't added this part yet i was a substance abuser i have alcoholism and was a binge drinker i would smoke a cigarette on the way to yoga i would smoke one on the way home like i would go out and get drunk later that night i would show up hungover at times um so I just kind of gotten to this point in my life where I was like, something's got to shift. Um, so I hired a life coach who really didn't have any ties to yoga, but she encouraged a meditation practice. And that's when things really started to take off. Cause I literally just started five minutes a day, five minutes a day, insight timer. And there's my mind again, that's like more, more, more. What is this? Like, so I was experimenting with different types and within six months, Rebecca of consistent meditation, I was, I quit my, quit my job. I quit drinking and drugging. I quit having sex. I found my biological family. I'm adopted. That was a huge part of my journey. I mean, it was just like my whole world sort of got flipped on its end. Um, and it wasn't easy, but the journey was absolutely beautiful and it's still continuing, but that's kind of what brought me not quite to here today. There's a bunch in between there, but um, meditation and yoga, have, I mean, it was the catalyst for major life change. Slow, you know what I mean? I started in yeah. 2014. I mean, so I think some people look at me and they're like, how did you do this all so fast? It's like, no, 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 no. This journey started a long time before I just started meditating. Like it's been, it's been, a, it's been a process. So. Ooh, that's a really good story, Haley. <laughs> like, Thank you. I mean, seriously, because a lot of times we forget to talk about how yoga really is this practice for personal liberation. And like there, that is like your story right there like we are on the path for personal liberation mm -hmm. um so tell me how where you trained how you got into oh yeah you teach meditation and breath work so mm -hmm. tell me about your training and then we'll talk about your experience as you slid into like being a professional at this yeah yeah so my um training is a little bit unique in the fact that i went to rishikesh india 
um, to a yoga school called Sattva, Sattva Yoga Academy. And full disclosure, there are some strange things happening with um, the founder of that school right now. So I can't particularly support the school right now or the teacher, but the teachings themselves are potent. Um, and so I went over there really not knowing what to expect. I just wanted to go deep in my practice and I got my kind of head blown off with this um, tantric kundalini breath work in Kriya. These uh, tantric somatic techniques that help release stress, trauma, and karma from the body. Um, so the training was really hyper-focused on Kriya. So honestly, like I didn't learn anything over there that I didn't already know about asana. They helped us a little bit with sequencing, but really it was more focused on the energy work aspect of yoga and getting in touch with our nice. prana and the intangible. Um, so that really, I mean, I was having deeply transcendental experiences every day in these two hour Tantra Kriya journeys. We call them journeys because it's not a class, it's a freaking journey. You're going different places. Um, so I came back and really didn't know what I was gonna do with it all. I was told over there I should teach, consider teaching because I was a good communicator and I you know, had been practicing for a long time, I was embodied and um, I, it really didn't uh, stick with me until I had my Vedic astrology chart read by um, someone I met over at the school and he was like, he, he's like, listen, I don't know how to put this any other way, but like, this is what you're here to be doing. Like, so you can, you can lean into it and you can start teaching or you can, or you cannot. but I'm telling you, you know, if I can make a suggestion, this is going to be the way to go. So COVID hit and I kind of put the gas pedal on and um, just started teaching online. Um, teaching, I mean, which looking back, I was teaching for free on Facebook for a while. Um, but that sort of initiated this like, if I want to do this, I have to create sustainability. Like yeah. if I want to serve, I can't do that. If I'm bogged down with um, a, a quote, real job to pay the bills. Right. So very early on, you know, after I realized I wanted to teach and share and I knew I wanted to coach, but teach the Kriya and the breath work. Um, I kind of made an affirmation to myself that like, I'm here to break the broke yoga teacher mold. I'm not doing it the way that everybody's thinking I'm going to do it. I'm, I can't do it the way, the old school way. Um, so that sort of opened up a lot of possibility of how things could be done um, in a way that felt nourishing and supportive and authentic and one where I was enjoying it. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't think I have it all figured out, but uh, that's kind of how it, uh, it, it, it initiated. Ooh, so, okay, you know, I love that. All y'all listening know I love that because I also feel like we need to stop this broke yoga teacher model that we feel like some, I don't know how the hell we embraced it like mm -hmm. with open arms that somehow we were undeserving of financial benefit because we're sharing yoga. And like, mm -hmm. so in my mind, I've separated out. So the yoga is free, but everything else costs money and you're going to pay me for everything else. It costs money to have a Zoom account. It costs money mm -hmm. to maintain like a server that's going to hold our videos and all of those things cost money. And that experience is worth paying for. Mm -hmm. So like, did you find any pushback when you embrace this? Like, I'm not going to be broke ass yoga teacher. <laughs> yes, I sure did. Because, um, you know, I started creating offerings, uh, working one on one with people, 
And, you know, I really had to examine what it was I was sharing with them. Like, yes, the yoga is free, right? But I'm also taking time to explain to someone, break down these very potent ancient techniques that they will use every day. They're taking with them, like there's a takeaway, right? Um, So there was a little pushback at first. The biggest pushback came when I started doing events because it's very typical to, you know, go to a one hour yoga class or an hour and a half yoga class for, you know, 25 bucks, 20 bucks. So, but I didn't feel called to do that. I wanted to create deeper experiences for people. This like urge to explore consciousness. It's like, that's kind of hard to do in like 45 minutes. I wanted to create containers for people to have transformative experiences. So when I started creating these events and, you know, two hour events at 40 to 50 dollars you know people were like why this is way more expensive than anything else in town and i'm like well it's also different and um (laughs) i get to decide my value and i get to decide you know what my course or my workshop costs and um yeah it's i mean it's been a journey rebecca to um find that like balancing point where you are absolutely receiving the value that you're demanding for your time and energy. Um, but also, you know, not making it $5 million. So no one, no one can attend. Right. Um, there's definitely a balance to this and an arc to this, but I will say I have found that like, as long as I'm in a stream of where I'm creating what I would want to do, what I would want to attend, like, and that might sound weird to people or maybe self-centered, but it has never worked for me to approach this business um, like a typical, maybe like a product-based business or like trying to find a solution for a widespread problem. Yeah. That's, that doesn't work. Not for me. Maybe it does for others, but I feel like the more I'm in the flow of like, okay, I want to go to that retreat. I want to go to that workshop. Like that's an experience I want to have sink into my intuition, you know, the exchange appears and I launch and it feels good. So I kind of just, those are sort of my rules. Like do, do, would I get excited if I saw this event pop up in my feed? Oh, nice. Then I'm, I want to do that. You know what I mean? I think the event thing is really interesting too. Cause like, okay. And so for those of you listening, like Haley and I know each other, we, we chat. So we know mm-hmm. what each other, we know what we do. And I just hosted this event yesterday and I am super sore from it. And it is a brunch at a flower farm with tea and nobody batted an eye at paying me $50 a person to mm-hmm. sit at like, like literally a folding chair on a farm and have brunch. And that was like, no one even questioned it at mm-hmm. all, but people would totally question if I hosted a two-hour event for $50 at a flower farm that what I was serving was yoga versus mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. an egg casserole and tea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is really interesting how triggering it can be for people um, because there's there's so many different topics people drag into this conversation too. And I mean, I welcome all perspectives and opinions, but ultimately it comes down to like, does it work for you? You know, are you, yeah. are you honoring the teachings? Are you honoring the culture? Are you honoring the full depth of the practice of the eight limbs? Um, but yeah, I mean, people don't bat an eye spending $125 on, you know, a very high profile legging. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Um, so I'm just, you know, just, I'm just kind of here to, 
you know, we're, I'm here to provoke a little bit, ask these questions and, and get people to, to look at it from a different perspective. I mean, now, like yesterday, somebody who I know who we have kids who went to the same school, she came with a bunch of her girlfriends. And at the end, she said, I feel so renewed and refreshed just hanging out at this farm and drinking tea and having like what we served for brunch. And all I could think in my brain was imagine what you could do with a yoga practice. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. like <laughs> I could give this to you as a gift every day. You could provide this for yourself. Come learn. Like mm-hmm. Seriously. <laughs> well, and I do feel like, you know, and I know you kind of feel this impulse too, that not only are we sharing the teachings, but we're also sharing an invitation to change your perspective on what yoga is. Yeah. Because unfortunately, like the conditioning here in the West is like, this is a fitness practice. This is a practice for you to stretch and to become more limber. And that actually is not the case, the intention of yoga at all. I mean, it's a very piece of it. We have to address our physical body, our vehicle, yeah. right? Um, but in reality, we don't create um, leaps in consciousness and increases in self-awareness by just stretching. There's, there's more <laughs> that we have to add into that. Um, and so I've always kind of been a proponent, like yoga is not just asana. It is a very small part of it. It, it really is. And so I was, I was thinking about this the other day too. It's interesting how, when I first started yoga and my journey started when I was like 19 and had hip pain. So in the nineties, I was practicing yoga and what yoga looked like was very, very different. It was much more, we had the asana in there, but it was always you had breath work, always I had meditation. I tell people the first yoga class I took, every class was 100 minutes. We had asana, we had group discussion, and we did some kind of cleansing kriya, right? So we were either doing neti or we were doing breath work or meditation. And that's how I learned yoga. But somehow the movement part of it, like the tapas discipline movement part of it has moved into fitness. Mm -hmm. And then the like rejuvenation and spirituality part has moved into like some sort of wellness space where we do a lot of restorative yoga. And the Mm -hmm. two kind of don't come together very often anymore. And it's interesting how somehow our brains have compartmentalized all yeah, these things. Yeah, I was just yeah. thinking, I was like, I was visualizing this fracture kind of that we've like separated it into parts yeah. and extracted the parts um, when in reality, like it's, it's going to best serve you when done holistically, when yes. you are basically integrating all of the parts. Um, but yes, I mean, like what we were just saying, like, those are the classes I love to teach, like the integrated classes where you uh, inject a little bit of wisdom and have a Dharma talk because we, as part of the yogic path, it's about having your intellect corrected. I mean, the yogic path suggests that you have a teacher, right? Like someone to guide you to present this wisdom and teaching to you in a a perspective that might land or might encourage you to be more curious, um, whatever. But you know, the, the yamas and niyamas, they're two limbs of yoga, right? Um, ways of living internally and externally, right? These different sort of codes of ethics, moralities, but injecting that into classes, like infusing, even if you, even if you, even if vinyasa is your thing and you're a great vinyasa teacher and you love to teach that, sharing your wisdom and letting your wisdom flow through the class too, just adds even a deeper level to the practice where it's not just not just about the asana. Um, So yeah, my favorite classes are integrated where there's a little bit of wisdom and there's breath work and there's Kriya and there's meditation and there's movement 
and we mix it all together and you're like, oh, this is what yoga is about. Like, yeah. this is what it is. Yeah. So Amazing. real talk, how many people in your area teach like that? Oh, you really put me on the spot there. I mean, um, in general, we'll say not just in your area, because you yeah. and I both know a bunch of people in the Midwest, like, because mm -hmm. I think a lot of teachers don't teach like that anymore. It's tough no. to teach that way. It's tough to teach that way. And that's not necessarily your fault if you're listening. You know Correct. what I mean? Like, Correct. The, the, the quality of yoga trainings, um, right? This is a whole nother topic that we could get on, but um, you may not have been given the, the necessary tools to share this work. So if you are a yoga teacher and you're curious, you're continuing ed, like finding like, a, you know, like a 20 hour continuing ed course on pranayama specifically. So you can learn how to start integrating that into your classes. Um, but no, Rebecca, there's not a lot um, around here uh, doing this um, in an integrated way. You know, we've got vinyasa, we've got meditation teachers, we've got some breathwork facilitators, um, but as far as like integrating them all together, you know, I think there's room for opportunity. Yeah, I feel like almost the industry really, like we've said, is compartmentalized what we all do a bit. Like those vinyasa teachers are really great at oftentimes functional movement. Oh, They're yeah. really, really great at sort of building that heat and like going through the movements of the body to make sure the body feels like stable and all those things. But then you're going somewhere else to find a meditation teacher or somewhere mm -hmm. else to go up to find a pranayama teacher. And oftentimes then landing at the feet of somebody like me, who I, I don't teach asana anymore, really. Mm -hmm. Like, and then we're talking about the spiritual side of it. And that almost like in the in a very Western way, we've Westernized the practice as opposed to right. making it a holistic practice. Yeah. Well, one of the, the very first thing, so I... I actually prefer to call myself a meditation teacher sure. um, versus a yoga teacher, because I think it's um, what I actually do, what people think I do, you know what I mean? It lines up better um, because I am taking people to a deeper place. Um, oh gosh, Rebecca, I just lost my train of thought. Like bear with me, my COVID okay. brain, <laughs> catch me, catch me. <laughs> yeah. So we've compartmentalized these practices. Um, but it's it's not your fault like no. one of the very first things i learned in my training was a meditation practice like a technique not just a mindfulness experience not just awareness but like an actual technique um <clears throat> that is single pointed focused and the requirement of of sapa actually is like if you're not meditating you cannot teach yep because meditation actually does comprise four of the eight limbs Pratyahara, Dharna, yes. Dhyana, and Samadhi. That's meditation. That's half, yes. right? Yeah. So it's kind of like, listen, if you're not, if you're not, if you're not, if you're not practicing, don't be sharing this. And that's sort of also been kind of like a kicker for me is like embodied, right? I don't want to go to um, a vinyasa teacher's class when they don't even have a home practice, right? Yes. Like I don't want to go to a breathwork facilitator's event if they themselves are not invoking that as a daily practice. So I don't know, I might've gotten a little off topic there, but yeah, it's not your fault. Not all trainings are like super, super highly focused on the, on the energy aspect. Yeah, it's very true. And you've highlighted something that I've been thinking about a lot lately, which is essentially skillful teachers are first skillful students. 
like mm -hmm. your studentship as a student of the discipline and practice of yoga matters mm -hmm. and and being able like you said to be embodying it and to integrate all of that in who you are so that you can share that with other people and it, it doesn't have to be that's and, and we can slide into teacher trainings a little bit but that's one of the things that i think is almost tragic about how we train teachers right now is that you come out of a 200 hour teacher training potentially thinking you're done mm -hmm. like instead of it being like we're not training people like hey this is just like step 1.5 mm -hmm. step one was being a student step 1.5 is just learning the basics of what it means to share this with other people yeah i think like the 200 hour training gives it should give you right the the confidence and the skill set to share with others but you should be able to walk out of a, a 200 hour training feeling confident about your self-study and practice. Yes. Like how, how am I going to show up for myself every day? Because let's face it, like there's a ton of us out there who want to nurture and like quote, save others as like yes. an attempt to really save ourselves. Um, and there's a lot of uh, disembodied leaders I'm seeing, like not, not necessarily like my community, but just in general and the collective yes. is that people want to help but they haven't quite fully helped themselves right like they haven't and there's no like end point to healing it's not that you have to be healed to go to go <laughs> serve, right like what does what does that even mean i don't even know but you know you should be on the path you should be on the journey you should have learned something because what is a teacher right you've kind of had to have ma mastered or come close to something to share it with others yeah. because otherwise, you know, what's the point? I mean, if you don't know yourself, so I don't know. Ooh, I love that too, because I, I really want us to embrace this idea of what a teacher is too. Like mm -hmm. teacher is this word that somehow I see yoga professionals and, and, you know, I've seen big names, a couple big names I'm thinking of who have said, oh, we're not going to say we're yoga teachers anymore. We're saying we're yoga embodiment facilitators or we're saying, like, oh, yeah, like and just using other words to fill the space for the word teacher. And, and I get that, like the idea of yoga teacher culturally in the West seems really flippant, like, oh, yeah, I'm just a yoga teacher. And, you know, I'm also working on my modeling career or whatever we think people are doing on the side of being a yoga teacher because the amount of times even still people are like so what's your job and when i say i teach yoga they're like so what what do you actually what do is it, what do you do yeah. yeah what is it that you really do yeah what's it's your like, real job no, <laughs> like, that's that's what i do yeah i mean i don't think people and, and and i didn't think this either i didn't even think i could be a teacher honestly because you know uh before i started kind of making lifestyle changes i was hyper impatient you know and i've talked about this with you before, like, cause your mind is very similar. It's like, we operate at a high level. The mind yep. moves quickly. Intellect is high. Um, so it's <laughs> yeah. anyway. Um, yeah. So okay, like bring me back to our topic again. What we're, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. It's the COVID I get excited and it launches me into like a million different like topics. Sorry. No, I mean, we were just talking about the idea of being a teacher. And I also feel like being yes. a teacher means that there are boundaries and things that we have to do and we have to embody to be a teacher. Like if you walked in as a teacher, as you know, in a community college, say, or a university, you would have to show up professionally. It would be weird if that teacher, say, texted you after class to see if you wanted coffee. You, mm -hmm. That teacher wouldn't be finding their friends within their classroom. 
right. there's all these like boundaries that we know from the profession of teaching that for some reason we're just going to not call ourselves teachers and i don't know if that's so we can ignore those boundaries or it feels weird or something but a teacher of something is important yeah well and sometimes i wonder too if it's if that is because it's the type of person that generally comes to um deepen their yoga practice through a training is like is it icky to call myself a teacher or to say yeah. this is a profession or like is this changing the energy behind what i'm doing but the fact of the matter is is that you're sharing wisdom and knowledge yeah right and if you don't yeah. have that right if you don't have wisdom and knowledge from experiential Yes. right work with the practice then what is it that you you're bringing to the table exactly i mean that sounds kind of you know harsh or a little assertive but like really i i mean i think it's very very true though i think the conversation's a little complicated because you know for example the yoga alliance and and i have been on your mm -hmm. podcast talking about the yoga alliance pretty heavily <laughs> um but the yoga lens has said for years that we aren't a profession and to some degree, if you really unpack that, okay, so monetarily speaking, it's really difficult to make a full-time job of this career. So I yes. understand their perspective of saying, we don't want to send the message that you're just going to graduate a 200 hour teacher training and be able to find a job. Mm -hmm. So I, I get that part of it because it is difficult as a professional to make a thriving wage in this mm -hmm. industry. But I also feel like if we don't talk about the professionalism of who and how we are, we're never going to get there. We're never yeah. going to get to the point where we're all feeling like, oh, I make enough to, you know, have a sustainable living. Mm -hmm. Well, and something that was kind of coming through while you were sharing that was like, yoga finds you. You know what I mean? Like, yes. And I've talked about this with the, the concept of Dharma before too, like Dharma finds you. It is not something that you go looking for. So like, well, I understand we do have impulses. It's like, oh, I want to be a yoga teacher, but I would just ask you like, what, where's that coming from? Right? Like, have you, what have you experienced from the practice? Like, what have you gained? What wisdom, what knowledge, like, what is it that is giving you this impulse to want to teach? Because it kind of goes back to what I just said, like, um, right, when we're feeling wounded, we want to serve others at times, right? Yes. Like, to try and take some of that pain away. So I guess it's just like the intentions behind, um, you know, if someone were to come to me and be like, I want to quit my job and be a yoga teacher, like, I would want to have a conversation around the intentions of why and what your expectations yeah. are. Because like you said, if you Google search, it does show that like the average yoga teacher is making an okay living. Like what was it like yeah. 50, 50 grand? 50, $51,000 a yeah. year. Yeah. <laughs> but that was like 40 hours a week at like, you know, a private yoga session, right? Like yes. th that's insane. None of us can do that. The reality of the situation is that it's fucking challenging in this yes. work to create sustainable income streams and not be constantly launching or constantly promoting and it's it's definitely been an, an up and down um experience yeah. i mean you've said something so important to this idea that yoga finds you or that dharma finds mm -hmm. you and i've written and talked about this in podcasts before like the amount of times i have tried to quit this stupid ass job like, <laughs> i mean like two weeks ago i was like this is it i'm out like I'm done. This is dumb. This this career is dumb. Burn this, it all down. Yes, totally. <laughs> and then I go and I come in and actually get to do my work. Like and primarily, you know, my work is a yoga therapist. And so I'll see people 
and I had a client in front of me and you know what I got to tell her? I got to tell her that her job was to practice love and loving herself. Mm. And I was like, well, oh fuck, this is actually really a great job. Like mm. I'm, I'm not out. I love it. I love yoga. I never want to leave. <laughs> yeah. It's, I think it's like the overarching message is, is that if you're choosing it, just take a pause. <laughs> just take a pause, ground yourself, um, come back to come back to earth because it is tough. And you know, I've I've had people. So it was like four years ago, right? Or sorry, three years. It was 2019 when I left my job, traveled to India, right? So it's been about three, a little less than three years that I've been sharing this stuff. And I can't tell you, Rebecca. I don't even know how many people have said to me, like, I never thought this was going to work for you. And there's a lot to unpack in that statement. Right. (laughs) But just in general, like that is the belief, right. Is that like, Oh, you're going to be a coach and a yoga teacher. Like, good luck with that. But the reality of the situation is that like, we are helping people like it. And it's not because of me. It's because of I become a channel for the teachings that are infinite and timeless and I put it and I, and I just, right. We, we authentically share it and it will resonate with the people that it's supposed to. Right. Like that's, that's just how it, that's just how it rolls. Um, but yeah, man. (laughs) Oh, I mean, I've been, you know, I've been teaching 20 years and I just in 2019 is when I opened my studio and that was the first time my mom, I'm sure thought I had a real job. Until mm. then, she was like, well, this is just a phase. <laughs> like, yeah. like yeah. for something like 17 years, this was a phase. Always surprised when she goes to see a doctor who will come back and tell her the same things that I've said. She'll be like, mm. well, what do you know? You know, they agree with you about, you know, <laughs> how my niece was real. I'm like, I know. It's a shocker. <laughs> right? Like, right? That and I've then had he- thousands of hours of training and might know what I'm doing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, I think even my parents were kind of like that, you know, from the beginning that it, it wasn't until maybe even the last year that I think my dad was like, Oh, you know, your stuff's kind of cool. Like your, your, you know, I see your little graphics and your little events and your little, you know, little, it's just like, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, this actually, you know, I've created something, you know, and I would, at times, you know, I have to work with my ego, like, man, I'd really like to be taken seriously for a hot second here because um, I'm working, I'm sharing, I'm I'm loving it. It's fun. It's not always easy. Um, But, you know, I'm, I'm maintaining and sustaining and continually moving towards you know, thriving financially, but yeah, yeah, we're getting there. Speaking of, okay. So tell us what you got coming up. Yeah. What I got coming up. So I will be launching, I run these meditation workshops and I call them the initiation. Okay. So I teach a Himalayan meditation style, which is um, very similar to Vedic meditation, transcendental. And what we do is virtual and every day for 40 days, we get on a call and you learn this three part practice. So what I found is that like consistency um, is really what creates the juice. You know what I mean? You just got to show up just every day. So these 40 days really help kind of set the, the patterning in the brain where this practice of meditation, and it includes pranayama, kriya, and mantra. Um, this practice of meditation really allows, it allows it to like take root in the 40 days. So there's multiple workshops, daily calls, um, and the success rate is strong. I mean, we're talking like, I think over 60% of people and and that might sound low to you, but in reality, meditation, staying consistent, that's a good number. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good number. 
um, 60% still meditating daily and still seeing changes. Um, a woman from the community actually messaged the other day and she had quit her job and she was moving more towards um, her dharmic path and yeah, just seeing the beautiful things take shape. So I do have that. And I do currently have the Korea Collective, which is an online, you know, breath, breath based subscription. Um, we do do some integrated stuff, but uh, uh, this is a way to really access breath and Kriya, the tantric breath and Kriya. So yeah, and of course, I offer Vedic astrology readings, I do one in one coaching sessions. Um, but my love really is facilitating like an experience for people. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Okay, so where do, where do we find you? Um, my website, Breath of Rebellion, www.breathofrebellion.com. All my events are listed, um, information about myself, snag a free breathwork practice by subscribing to my newsletter. Um, I send some interesting emails. Um, I have a very <laughs> wide, I have a very wide array of interests. Um, so uh, I've been disclosing some interesting things in there. So if you want to learn more about some other ways to explore consciousness, yeah, hit me up. Awesome. Thank you so much, Haley, for coming on. And honestly, I just like talking to you. So like yeah. anytime that we can yes. talk is awesome. <laughs> yes. Thanks, Rebecca. I, um, I just, you know, you inspire me. I admire the shit out of you. And it's, it's an honor to be here and have this conversation with you. So thank you. Thank you. I think there are a few key takeaways that we can talk about from this podcast. And going forward, I'm going to start talking about a few of those things at the end of every podcast so we can connect back together and talk about what we just heard. I think our constant struggles within the yoga industry to validate our offerings to the greater world starts with ourselves. If we struggle to come to terms with money, especially in relationship to our jobs, it's going to really feel difficult for us to ask for enough money to build a thriving living as a yoga professional. And if you feel like you're in flux, we're all feeling the impact and changes, both culturally and within our industry, that have come to us from the last couple years. You're not alone in this feeling. I've certainly felt it. My friends and colleagues who I know I talk to have felt it. And you have an entire industry of wholehearted human beings who are here to support you. Thanks again for our talk, Haley, and make sure that you go check out her website and Pranayama offerings. Thank you, the listener for getting this far. And honestly, I cannot tell you how much it means to me to know that there are folks out there who care about the yoga industry as much as I do. So once again, thank you so much, and I'll see you next time.